0: Hello. In this week's UN Catch-Up, would you return to your war-shattered country to help rebuild it with your expert knowledge? That's exactly what one Somali doctor did, and she tells us her inspiring story. We'll also hear a news bulletin covering the serious escalation in the Middle East and the Myanmar crisis. It's past the 100-day mark. A call, too, for international criminal court proceedings for genocide against Iraq's Yazidis and former Liberia President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf's appeal for bold World Health Organization reforms to prevent another devastating pandemic from happening again. As ever, comments and poetry from regular guest Solange Behategui-Cortez on the show with me, Daniel Johnson, from UN Geneva. And we're recording this at 18:30 hours Central European Time on Wednesday the 12th of May. I hope you enjoy the show. First, the news. A World Health Organization or WHO appointed panel has urged bold action to end the COVID-19 crisis while also calling for the UN agency to be given greater authority to react more quickly to future threats. Our message is simple and clear. The current system failed to protect us from the COVID-19 pandemic," said former Liberian President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, co-chair of the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response. She added that if we do not act to change it now, it will not protect us from the next pandemic threat, which could happen at any time. The panel insisted that many more countries could have done more to contain the spread of the coronavirus once the WHO declared a public health emergency of international concern on the 30th of January last year, after the initial outbreak in Wuhan, China. A top UN envoy has added his voice to calls for calm in the occupied Palestinian territory, warning that the situation is escalating towards a full-scale war amid continuing airstrikes and rocket attacks. In a tweet ahead of a closed-door meeting with the UN Security Council on Wednesday, Special Coordinator for the Middle East peace process Tor Wensland appealed to the Palestinian authorities and Israelis for an immediate end to hostilities before a devastating conflict breaks out. The appeal echoes a plea for maximum restraint and calm to Israel and Palestinians from the UN Secretary-General and several UN agencies and organizations. The development comes after weeks of clashes between Palestinian demonstrators and Israeli police in Jerusalem's Old City, fueled by the potential eviction of Palestinian families from the neighborhoods of Sheikh Jarrah and Silwan. Late on Tuesday, the UN reported that 10 children were among 28 killed in Gaza by Israeli airstrikes and that two women had been killed in Israel after rockets were fired from Gaza. The killing of thousands of Yazidi people in Iraq by ISIL extremists was genocide, the Security Council has heard. Delivering its findings to the 15-member body, the UN team investigating the atrocities said that it had established clear and convincing evidence of the crime against the religious minority in 2014. At that time, the terror group attacked, enslaved and killed members of the Yazidi community in Sinjar, northern Iraq, forcibly displacing around half a million of them. One of the survivors, Nobel Peace Prize laureate Nadia Murad, urged the Security Council to refer the matter to the International Criminal Court to address the universal magnitude of the crimes against humanity.
1: Evidence has been found, but we are still searching for the political will to prosecute. It is time for the international community to do more than listen. It is time to act. If world leaders have the political will to act on this evidence, then justice is surely within reach. ISIS's genocide will not come to an end until all Yazidis, can live a life of dignity in their homeland.
0: Finally, just over 100 days since the Myanmar military seized power, the repression of protesters has continued despite all international efforts to end the violence, the UN Rights Office has said. Credible reports indicate that more than 780 people have been killed after security forces used unnecessary, disproportionate, and lethal force since the 1st of February, the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, or OHCHR, said on Tuesday. Spokesperson Rupert Colville urged greater international involvement to prevent the human rights situation there from deteriorating further. Mr. Colville also warned about. About the disturbing and illegal detention tactics now being used to capture opponents of the coup.
1: We've certainly noticed uh, what appears to be a, an intensifying trend of the military authorities taking relatives, family members of people they want, opposition civil society journalists and so on, taking them into custody in what appears to be a pretty blatant effort to, to force the, the people they want to get hold of to turn themselves in and clearly that's a human rights violation.
0: The news there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now to this week's interview. A happy story for a change. It comes from Somali paediatrician Dr Abba Farah, who decided to return to Mogadishu after leaving the country during civil war in the 1990s. She's been helped by IOM, which is the UN Migration Agency and its Migration for Development in Africa project, as we'll find out. But first, let's hear from Dr Abba herself, talking about why she left Italy for the Banadir Hospital in the Somali capital, where she's saving lives every day.
2: I decided to be back to Somalia because there's a massive need of my specialisation and my qualification as a doctor. It was... A long dream since I was a child. I'm, as you know, I'm born and raised in Mogadishu. Unfortunately, civil war happened in the 90s here in Somalia. I fled and went to Italy and I always dreamed to be back to Mogadishu. To give back what I had, I'm more fortunate than most of Somalis like me, who Mm -hmm. didn't have the opportunity to have a highly qualified studies an environment.
0: I've seen you say before that every minute counts when a baby is born and, and that just wasn't happening in Mogadishu where you were. There really wasn't that level of specialist care.
2: Absolutely. There was no my specialization and my care as you see the first minute is so need for the newborns. I
0: introduced it. So can you describe a typical day for me in the Banadir Hospital in Mogadishu where you're working?
2: Banadir Hospital is a referral and regional hospital in Mogadishu. My daily, it consists that I arrive eight uh, in the morning. We have a morning meeting that uh, we hand over what happened the night and we will start the job. We have 20 incubators that are all patients in need prematures and babies with severe illness like sepsis meningitis and tetanus and i have to handle all of it
0: and you decided to come back to mogadishu because you had to leave in the first place following the government collapse in 1991 civil war there's ongoing violence it must nonetheless have been a very difficult decision to come back wasn't it
2: yes after 30 years abroad I decide because I belong to this place. I belong to these people and I owe them. I have to give back. I don't know. It's something that I feel inside.
0: And one of the reasons we should say that you went back to Mogadishu is because your father is quite elderly now and you wanted to get back. But to get to him, you had to leave behind your two boys back in Rome. So what do they think about your departure to Mogadishu?
2: My two... My son and daughters are really not so happy that I left them in Rome. But sometimes remind me what I did uh, when I was at their age. The same thing, I was alone in Rome. Here in Mogadishu, I have, yes, my father, 83 years old, and I didn't have much time to spend with him.
0: Well, I'm very glad you have got to see him and you're playing catch-up. Are there many more people in the Somali diaspora like you who are keen to come back to the country to share their knowledge?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of worldwide uh, specialist doctors from the diaspora who are willing to come back, but they are still afraid about the situation, the security in Mogadishu.
0: And I should say that this interview we tried to do at the end of April, but there was the election violence and you were caught up in it and in fact some concern about how you were doing. So I'm sure you weren't naive about coming back to Somalia, but were you expecting to be that close to the front line, so to speak?
2: Yes, I had three days. Terrible, because I was in the middle of the world. It took me back to 90s. But different to the 90s, I was adolescent. I hadn't the responsibility that I had now. It was really terrible, terrible. I can't explain it with words. But after the peace declaration of the prime minister... It gives me another hope to stay and continue my work in Mogadishu.
0: So really, that's my question. You don't have any regrets about coming back to Somalia?
2: Uh, absolutely, I have nothing to regret it, nothing. My hope to remain here and my desire is still there. Uh, I think I can change better the life and the health system of, uh, of Somalia and especially in Mogadishu.
0: Well, I wish you all the very best for that. And if you could stay with us, I'd just like to turn quickly to Sikulili Dlamini from the International Organization for Migration. And you're really involved in this program, this Migration for Development in Africa, or MIDA program. So maybe you could give me an update because it started back in 2008. But we're really seeing the benefits and the fruits of all the agency's hard work now, aren't we?
3: Yes, Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your listeners about the programme that IRM implements in Somalia, the Migration for Development in Africa programme, to strengthen the institutions and government institutions in in Somalia to ultimately contribute to national development agenda.
0: We can see that there's huge needs. So where do you start?
3: Certainly, the needs are very many. But through the programme, we have managed to bring a lot of Somali professionals back into the country. And the good thing about Somalis is that they remain connected to their home country. So over the years, we've assigned more than 500 people to different government institutions in the country. The key sectors that we have supported and continue to support is health. Health for all is extremely important. Health contributes to overall national development. And we're also currently supporting the education sector and various other government institutions. So the, our contribution has really resulted into tangible outcomes. You know, in hospitals where Dr. Uba works, the staff in the hospitals have been trained by the diaspora experts. So the program facilitates the transfer of knowledge and skills to the local professionals so that when the diaspora experts leave the program, at least we would have contributed in a sustainable manner the transfer of the knowledge that they have acquired abroad.
0: Thanks to Dr. Abba Farah there from Mogadishu in Somalia for explaining her decision to head back to the country after fleeing civil war there in the 90s. No regrets, despite the dangers which sounded terrifying and very, very close to her. She is an amazing woman. Thanks also to Sikulili Dlamini, from the UN Migration Agency, IOM, for putting the Migration for Development in Africa program into context. Right, to wrap up the show, it's my pleasure to welcome back Solange bejoteguet Cotes from the Information Service at UN Geneva. Hi, Solange.
1: Hola, Daniel.
0: Wasn't that an uplifting story of love and solidarity, Solange?
1: Definitely. And love can be a political concept, a motor for change. That was really a powerful story. When uh, Uba Farah was a child, let's say that a strong wind hit her. She was forced to leave Somalia to seek shelter in Italy with the outbreak of civil war in 1991. Dr. Uba is a brave woman. Leaving Italy after 30 years, you need to be brave to let yourself be carried away again by the wind, to leave your country for a second time. If the wind carried dreams, Then we could say that it made her return to her homeland, but where is home and the one who returns, are they still the same? The war drove Dr. Abba away from Somalia and another kind of war brought her back, the war against neonatal deaths she knows the reality and the culture of her country, which make it easier the relationship she has with new mothers in the hospital. Today, thanks to the Migration for Development in Africa program, almost 500 members of the diaspora have returned to Somalia, and now provide support in a wide range of areas. It is a great initiative because it gives meaning to the journey of many immigrants. It makes sense, social sense.
0: It does make total sense, and it wouldn't be the podcast rap, Solange, without a poetic reference. Please tell me, who have you got for us this week?
1: There is a Somali poet. Maxamed Ibrahim Warsame, popularly known as Hadrawi, and even the Somali Shakespeare. Hadrawi heals Somalia's wounds through words. Others' poems are driven by the wind, like a tornado. They turn wherever and in whatever direction. And you know, Daniel, with words, you can change the direction of the wind. Let's follow a healing wind. And perhaps we will be able to soothe the wounds of thousands of immigrants around the world.
0: Thank you, Solange, for that poetic end to the show as ever. Words are powerful. We hope we're communicating a positive message. I will be keeping an eye out for Maxamed Ibrahim Wasami Hajrawi's work. Although I have to say, Solange, it's impossible to find, even online. My thanks also to Justine Bryce for putting the podcast online shortly and for all the unsung promotional work that she does for us on social media, which you can follow at UN Geneva. Please, we'd be happy to hear from you. Listeners, of course, as I was saying, would be nothing without you. So thanks for being with us for this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva. Don't forget there's a daily news bulletin from UN News Online and a stack of stories on the UN News website if you want more from the United Nations. That's it from me. Bye-bye for now.